Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of God. In just a few moments, I'm going to unpack the word that God laid on my heart. But I'm, I'm believing that God's going to move very mightily tonight. But before I do, I want to introduce my, let me introduce her properly. She's my wife of 38 years. Praise Jesus. We met on a blind date, and I praise God that even after 38 years, she's still blind. Praise Jesus. She's my best friend, my partner in crime against the powers of the devil. Give Sister Melia a hand, uh, on a hand as she comes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. You know, I meant to give away these books this morning, but I did not know they were ran out. I, had, uh, I think the other two books is gone, but I want to give away the other two. We still have a few back there. How to develop a prophetic culture or how important it is for you and I to continue to live a lifestyle of constantly speak life. Amen? Amen. Uh, who wants this one? You can raise your hand. Oh, run over here quickly. Oh, Jesus, thank you. God bless you. Praise God. The second one, <laughs> awakening the prophetic, awakening the gift that is already in you. Amen? I shared this morning how important it is for you and I to know the gift that is in us. We need to speak. God looked at uh, when he saw the world that it was full of darkness and void. He did not just watch it. He spoke to it. Amen? So it's so important for us, for you and I to know the gift that is already in us. Who won this one? So you, okay, you come over here, sis. You come and get it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And because of that, God bless you. I want to give you guys a prophetic word real quickly. It's found in the book of Genesis chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. This is God spoke to Abraham. You and I are the seeds of Abraham, sons and daughters of Abraham. Every promises of God in his word, it is for you and I. Amen? He said, Abraham will surely become a great and a powerful nation. He said, I am great and powerful. Yes, that's what God created you and I. When we come and every when we came and received him as our personal savior, God says, you are great and you are powerful. Amen? Amen. That's what God said about you and I. And says, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. God's saying, all nations on earth will be blessed through you and I. That's what he said. So it's so important for you and I to accept that and receive that and come in agreement with what God said, not what you think, not what your friends think, not what your past said. He said, through you and I, all nations on earth will be blessed. 
Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are blessed because of me. Some of you are hesitating. You mean it. Turn to, the, to, your, to your right and say, you are blessed because of me. Yes! Not sure if I shared this uh, story here uh, before, but two years ago, John and I bought a house in Florida. And it was amazing because we don't have a house. We basically live on a road because of our calendar. But God spoke to us in 2020, January 2020, we need to buy a house. We had never heard about COVID. We closed the house, brand new house. It was built in the middle of March. Walk into the house to see the house after closing. When we walked in, all the churches called in, canceled all the meeting. Before they did that, we already know. The whole earth was shut down. So we live in the house about a month now. And I remember uh, my son-in-law, David Fang, been here. And my daughter, they came to visit us. They live about 15 minutes away. I sent them to the store to go get me some groceries. While they were gone, about 30, 40 minutes, I got a phone call from my daughter, almost crying on the phone. She said, Mom, 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 please, you guys need to get out. And I said, why? There is a huge fire right across the street from you guys, right in front of you guys. Please, Mom, you guys need to get out. Cops is right here. We can't even get in. Well, so quickly, when they were gone, there was no fire. But the fire was on the other side of the freeway. Wind picked up the fire, throw it into our side, push it all the way to where we live. So I came outside. Oh, my gosh. The fire is right in front of us. Miracle was they left one of their vehicle in our house with the key. Ran back inside the house. John, we need to get out. All got in the car, maneuver around. Praise God, we were able to get out. Drive around praying that we can be able to find a hotel that was open. Found a hotel, spent the night over there. Woke up the next morning, drive back to see if we still have a home. And when we drive in to our subdivision, 32 homes all in front of us where we live all turn into ashes. And I look out in the back, there were three homes still standing. As we moved up closer, come to find out my house is in the middle, one house on the left, another house on the right. This is what went through my mind when I look at those two houses. Wow, you guys are lucky that I choose to live here. I'm serious. I am serious. Why? Because God's protection is on my life. God's blessing is on my life. He said, through you. All nations on earth will be blessed. And because, listen, if those two homes burn down, my home will go down also. But because my house can burn down, because they're next to me, you're blessed. Yes! You have to think that way. I did not make it up. He said that about me and you. Amen? Every week. We're flying sometimes two or three times a week. Every time I walk in the plane, look around the passengers, you guys are lucky that I'm in this plane. (laughs) 
Why? Because I know that this plane will make it to its destination. And because you are in my plane, you are safe. You will make it there. Why? Because the protection and the blessings of God is on my life. Now, a couple months ago, I think, there was a storm came to Florida. Some of you may not know. Ian came to Florida. Watch the storm in the beginning of the week. Look at the map. When I opened it up, oh my gosh, the storm was heading to our area. I started praying, oh God, please dissolve the storm or push it away. Tuesday night on our way to church, I decided to open the map, map of the storm to see where it's at. When, because the storm is going to hit on Wednesday morning. When I open up, the storm is already pushed all the way to the far right. Next morning, storm hit. Unfortunately, so many homes were damaged, hit. But guess what? Next morning, Wednesday, nothing happened in our area. Again, thank you, Jesus. Through me, everyone around my area will be blessed. Amen. Now, I just want to make this clear. When I said, because of me, that's why you're blessed. That's why you're protected. I'm not being arrogant by saying that. I just choose to come in agreement with what he said about me. Otherwise, I'll come in agreement with what my past said. Meliana, you are no good. Who do you think you are that because of you, everybody else, everybody else will be protected? Listen, it's so important for you and I to come in agreement with what he said about you and I. Amen? Otherwise, we come in agreement. Do you know that the devil have a way of accusing you and I? And sometimes it's not the devil. It's our own self. It's our own self. Remember when the Pharisees brought the woman that caught in adultery? They dragged her to Jesus. They said, Jesus, this woman's supposed to be stoned because she was caught in adultery. Jesus nailed down, wrote on the sand, and, but then he said, whoever of you that have no sin cast off first stone. Everybody dropped their stone and left. Jesus got up, looked at the lady and said, where are your accusers? She said, nobody. Jesus said, so neither do I accuse you. Go, you are free. Go and sin no more. That's why it's so important. Listen, the devil, so many times we come in agreement with what the devil said. We don't receive what God prophesied about us. We don't receive what he said through you. Everybody will be blessed. Why? Because we come in agreement with what the devil said about you and I. Amen? Now, listen quickly for the rest of the verse. It says, For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him. Isn't that interesting that we have the children, family? There is a reason why God called you and I to direct our children, to teach our children to teach them the way of the Lord. Amen. Why? Because there is no other way. There is no other way to be protected.
that. There is no other way to be blessed except the way of the Lord. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? It says, for I have chosen him. God chose you and I. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Why God have chosen you and I? So we can preserve the way of the Lord. Why God chose your children? Why God chose you and I? So we can teach his way. So we can preserve the way of the Lord by doing what is right. So that the Lord will bring about to Abraham what he had promise. Amen? In order to, to see the prophetic word and the promises of God being fulfilled in your life and my life, we must obey what his word says. So we can see the promises and the protection of God in your life and my life. Listen, we are selfish if we disobey the word of the Lord. Because the moment we disobey the word of the Lord, the blessings, the protection of God will be no more. There is no other way. That's why I choose God. I choose to obey your word so that my children, grandchildren, and everybody around me will be blessed. As your word says, through you, Meliana, everybody around you will be blessed. Listen, I don't even know my neighbors, but because they live close to me, you are blessed. Because I choose to obey the word of the Lord. Amen. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. She could have stayed up here and preached. We might have had revival. Come on. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about spiritual warfare tonight. And I want to talk to you about spiritual warfare successfully. That famous verse in the second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says our weapons. Everybody say our weapons. How many know that you and I have been given weapons? We have been given weapons. And because we have been given weapons, there is no, no demonic force or spiritual force or physical force that can withstand the weapons that God has given us. And the, and the other thing is, is our weapons of our warfare. Now, ladies and gentlemen, how many have felt that you, there's been heightened warfare? Heightened warfare. I mean, obviously, there's warfare with your building. Because anytime you do something for God, there's going to be resistance. But what God wants us to do is God doesn't want us to magnify the resistance. He wants to, us to magnify the vision. Because if we put, resist, we put the resistance before the vision, we will not fulfill what God has called us to fulfill. Now, I will tell you this, for our weapons of warfare are, are not carnal. Everybody say, not carnal. Which means they're not, we don't operate at like the world operates. The world, will, the world will fight for one another. The world will be political. We don't do that. We have more powerful weapons. That's why you need to get involved in every single ministry that's available. If you're not involved in ministry, get involved in a ministry. Because what it's going to do, it's going to weaponize you. Come on. How many want more weapons? Are you hearing me? Want more weapons? Well, I'm going to give you... Arguably, what I believe the two most powerful weapons that you and I have available to us, because I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, as we get into God's Word. This, tonight, 
I'm going to speak a very familiar passage of Scripture out of Acts. However, I'm going to preach it much differently than you've ever heard. We're going to start reading in verse 25 in a moment. I'm going to read out the New King James Version tonight because you have to understand. Paul and Silas went to Philippi. They went to Philippi to transform the city. And they were resisted. And I've noticed this sometimes that when there's resistance, there's a tendency to misinterpret the resistance as a sign that God doesn't want us to go further. When actually, it's actually the opposite. Come on. It's actually the opposite. Uh, for, for instance, when, when in 21, when we started the church, uh, uh, Meliana and I uh, made a decision in two weeks we're going to start the church. And, and before we did, there was a group, a handful of people that we had, and they're all in their 30s, and they're all business owners. And, and, and so they had a meeting before we came that the Harkies are coming and they were preparing us. And so, so guess what? Uh, on, on, that was on a Monday night. On a Tuesday night, I got a call from one of the gentlemen and he called me up and says, uh, 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 Brother Harkey, you, you know what happened last night at the meeting? You know, my worship, we had a worship leader. The worship leader dropped an F-bomb in the meeting. Okay, okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't uh, think you should lead worship if you're dropping F-bombs. And I will have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, so, so, so I prayed. I, I, I said, oh, God, what to do? And basically, what, what, how am I going to handle this one? And, and then I realized, you know, his, his, some of his background that he walked through, that, that, that literally he, uh, he had been through so many pastors, bad leadership, and finally said, if I, if I would have walked through some of the things he walked through, I might have dropped an F-bomb too, you know. So um, that got that over. The next day, a couple called and told me, I can't be a part of the church plant because my marriage is falling apart. So I've got the worship leader dropping an F-bomb. The next couple, the marriages are falling apart. The next day, I get another call from a different couple. And they say to me, Prophet John, we won't be at the meeting when you start it, the church, because our entire family has COVID. So I told Meliana, I said, Meliana, we got an F-bomb. We got a marriage falling apart. We got a COVID positive in family. God must want us to start a church in Tucson, Arizona. Are you hearing what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? Because there's going to be resistance. And because of the resistance, what happens to Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas are now thrown into a Philippian jail. But ladies and gentlemen, you're here on Sunday night, and I am not speaking to just any kinds of people. I'm, I'm speaking to people that have come to change the atmosphere. You've been born to change the atmosphere. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't like resistance, but I'm not going to let the resistance determine what I'm going to do because I know the source of that resistance. The source of that resistance is not God. It's demonic forces keeping people in bondage, keeping them in drug addiction, keeping them in sin, and I'm called to set the captives free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
We are atmosphere changers. Now, ladies and gentlemen, notice what happens here in the text. Now, in this wonderful text, ladies and gentlemen, it says, but at midnight. Everybody say, but at midnight. In other words, who I am at the darkest moment, who I am not during the day, who I am at midnight is really who I am. Who I am in a crisis, who I am when there is resistance, who I am when there is pressure, who I am, am I still going to serve God? Am I still going to serve God? Am I still going to show up when there's resistance and pressure? We all have moments of midnight, but I'm not going to let the midnight determine my perspective. Because some of you may be in a midnight hour right now. You may be in a midnight in your ministry, a midnight in your marriage, a midnight with your kids, a midnight physically. But I'm telling you right now, God is about ready to change your midnight. But at midnight, in other words, the darkest moment of the day, Paul and Silas were complaining, whining, and frustrated. No. No. The Bible says they were praying and singing. Everybody say praying and singing. My greatest weapon is prayer and worship. Why do you think we pray around here and worship as much as we do? Because our greatest spiritual weapon isn't, isn't, isn't just, just my intellect. It is literally praying and singing under pressure. Because they, can't, they, they may chain me up. They may lock me up. Uh, they, they, they all may not show up. Come on. But guess what? I'm still getting on my knees. I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to call out God. Because when I pray and sing, the atmosphere changes in the room. Are you hearing me? They, they notice this. They were praying and singing hymns to God. Everybody say, to God. They're not singing to their chains. They're not singing about their brokenness. They're not singing about their addiction. They're not singing about their crisis. Their attention is on God. Let me just tell you what worship is. Worship isn't about how I get goosebumps. Worship is giving my attention fully to God. And then when we give our attention fully to God, there's a response from heaven. But what's amazing about this story is, is when they did that, when they prayed and they sang, this is what is amazing. And the prisoners were listening to them. Now, I appreciated Minister Vicki coming up here and talking about the transformation ministry. If you're, not in, if you're not involved in that ministry, I would encourage you. Because listen, I, sometimes I can't even get church people to listen to me. And Paul and Silas are in a cell without a worship team. Come on, without technology, praying and singing, and these people in bondage are hearing what they're saying. Can I say something to you prophetically? The prisoners are going to hear you. The prisoners of Alaska are going to hear you. The prison, the ones in change and bondage is going to listen to what is happening in this house. Are you hearing? 
because, because, because let me just tell you the reason why they were in prison is simply because they did not listen. So I want to know, what were they praying? And what were they singing that caused the world to hear them? Because is the world hearing the church? Is the world even paying attention to the church? But now they're paying attention to the church. Oh God, put the spirit of Paul and the spirit of Silas on us. Put it on us. Put it on us. Come on. See, no chains can hold you back. No bondage can hold you back. No sin nature can hold you back. No past nor present can hold you back. And so now, as they're singing to God, and, the, and, and they're not just singing to, so the prisoners would listen, but they are listening because they believe that God's going to respond. Because you got to see this. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. Everybody say, the foundation of the prisons were shaken. In other words, anything that is not built on truth is going to be shaken. You cannot build your life on your pain. You can't build your life on your problem. You build your life on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. That's what you build your life with. So what God does is God's shaking the foundation of the prison. And this is exactly what God is doing in the nations across the earth. He's shaking every false foundation. Now notice this. So that the foundation of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everybody's chains were loosed. Now hear this. The prisoners were not singing. They were listening. Could it be that there's freedom in listening? Could it be that I can get loose if I really listen to a sound that I've never heard before? And all of a sudden doors open, which means God is all-inclusive. And when, he, when those doors open and when those chains come off, Jordan, the amazing thing about this story is, is not that the chains came off and that the, the prison doors opened. The amazing thing about this story is that the prisoners never left. Because, first of all, your whole, your, your, your whole mindset as a prisoner is, I can't wait to get out of here. And now at midnight, when you have an opportunity to run out of here, they don't run out of here. Because I can tell you this, when I get to heaven, here's exactly what I want to do. I want to interview every single prisoner and ask them this question. Why did you stay? Because I'm going to tell you this. I told Jordan, they picked me up, her, her and Kemper. They picked me up last night. I said, Jordan, you're going to write a book. You're going to write a book. Because she told me she was a writer. I said, I said I'm going to preach this message. You, you can write the book before I do. And what I want to do is I want to write a book to, to, to interview every one of those prisoners while you never left. 
because you you gotta you gotta you gotta hear this. This is not the country club down the street. Come on, it's not an American jail. I mean, I was in a church, and I had never heard of this. I was in a church in California, and I prophesied over this lady. And afterward, they shared the testimony. And then, and then I didn't know that, that married couples actually could, 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 could actually conceive children why, why the man is in prison. I didn't know that. And I said, that's not jail. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's not jail. I mean, that, that's like going to the hotel. Are you hearing me? And she's had three children Why her husband has been in jail from him. And, and I, I, I was shocked. And, and so it's not like that prison is not like the prison in California. It's a stinking hellhole. It, 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 there's vermits, there's human waste, it smells, it's, it's a dungeon, and yet those men never left. So first of all, I've got to ask myself, what was in there that caused them to stay? What restrained them to cause them to stay? Because ladies and gentlemen, you are my heroes. I couldn't live in Alaska, come on. Because what makes you stay? What makes you stay in Alaska? It's freezing. It's dark outside. It's going to be dark at 3.30 in a couple of months. Come on. The sun's not going to come up. What, why do you deal with the weather and all the problems? I'll tell you why. Because the same reason why the prisoners never left. There's a glory in the house. There's a presence in the house. There's a power in the house. There, there is something I never felt in my life. Oh, come on. The reason why the prisoner never left is if I were to interview one, this is exactly what they say. Brother John, for the first time in my life, I felt peace. For the first time in my life, I felt free on the inside. For the first time in my life, I didn't want to kill my dad. I didn't want to kill my persecutors. I didn't want to commit a crime. I just wanted to get on my knees and pray and worship God like Paul and Silas. What? I couldn't smell. I couldn't see the vermins. I couldn't smell what I smelled before. All I could smell was the fragrance of God's peace filling this cell. This is why you stay. Because there's a weight of glory that restrains us and restrain those prisoners and cause them not to leave. I feel the presence of God in this room. And I'm going to say something to you. I live for this. I live for this. They never left. And I went quickly over this because I, there's something I need to get to. Because that's not just the end of the story. Because verse 27, ladies and gentlemen, has transformed my life. And verse 28, it says, And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, Supposing the prisoners had fled. Say this with me. Supposing the prisoners had fled. In other words, this particular man is going to take his life based on an assumption. There are people that I know of 
that are making life choices based on an assumption. What they assume to be true, they're actually going to, they're going to make a choice that's going to affect their eternal destiny. He's going to kill himself because, in his mind, because, certainly because the doors open, because the chains, that every prisoner is going to escape. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's dark. So he's making a decision in the dark. That's why you should never make a decision in the dark. Usually that decision is probably going to be wrong. You make decision in the light. That's why you come here every time the church doors open because I want to make a decision in the light. And in that moment, he's going to take his life based on an assumption. But how many are not just taking their life physically, but taking their life spiritually and emotionally, financially and relationally because what they suppose to be the truth. I don't want to be led by an assumption. I want to be led by truth. Assumptions don't set me free. The truth sets me free. Now, what is amazing about this story is the fact that who's really in prison here? Not the prisoners. They've gotten free by the song and the prayer life of Paul and Silas and God's reaction. Because here's the problem with our culture. Sometimes it's not the people that are in prison. It's the leader. We've got political leaders in prison. They're in prison. And they're making choices that's affecting nations and states and communities based on assumptions. They're, they're passing laws based on an assumption. They're the ones that need to be free. And what I love about this story is what happens next because then it says, but, but, but then it says, and, and the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison door, supposing the prisoner drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But listen to verse 28 because there's going to be an impartation tonight. But it said that, but Paul called with a loud voice. Now, ladies and gentlemen, everybody say, Paul called with a loud voice. Is there a loud voice at KC Alaska? Is there a voice in Alaska? Hear me. Hear me. You've got to understand this. What Paul did, because I, I don't want you to forget what I'm going to tell you. Because what Paul did is, you've got to understand, it's midnight. It's dark. I'm going to establish that. The, 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 the prison keeper, the keeper of the prison, actually thinks that everybody has fled. So what does Paul do? In the dark, he, he, he begins to prophesy. He begins to decree in the darkness. He begins to speak through the darkness. You know why? Because he sees through the darkness that this man is about ready to take through his life. Oh God, put a pr prophetic spirit upon this house. Put the spirit of prophecy on this house that speaks through the darkness. Are you hearing me? He speaks through the darkness and says, do yourself no harm. In other words, not only do I care 
about the oppressed. I care about the oppressor. Oh, come on. Not only do I want to save the oppressed, I want to save the oppressor, says the Lord. And a lot of times we don't see that in our culture. But their God put an apostolic prophetic anointing on this place. Because how many know we need men and women to see through the darkness? He discerned prophetically that this man is going to kill himself. When all the other prisoners, why? Because he says, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Now, I say all this to say this. Keep your finger on Acts 16 and turn all the way to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24 and 25. Out of the New King James, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24 and 25. I want you to see this. But if all prophesy, everybody say, but if all prophesy. Tonight, there's going to be a prophetic anointing released on your life. Because I can't prophesy over everybody. But there is a generation that are in darkness right now that needs someone with a loud voice. Are you hearing? I don't want those in bondage to have a louder voice than I do. Oh, are you? Oh, come on. I don't want them to outpray me, outshout me. Because right now, there are, there are people in bondage, in darkness, that are prophesying stuff that didn't come from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're being so loud. Why can't the church raise its voice in the middle of the darkness? I didn't get saved to let the darkness have a field day in my life. But if I'll prophesy and an unbeliever, everybody say an unbeliever. Which means that when someone who doesn't know anything about God or an uninformed, everybody say uninformed. It's interesting that there's a distinction between an unbeliever and an uninformed. The uninformed, ladies and gentlemen, is someone who, who, who comes to church, but they have no clue about the Spirit. No, th- no clue about the prophetic. No, th- no clue about the gifts of the Spirit. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where we, we want to model our church based on unbelievers and uninformed. And I'm, certainly I'm not saying it this, but I'm talking as I travel. I see this. Let me just tell you. That's unbiblical according to Paul, the Apostle Paul. Because if we, we submit to the unbeliever and the uninformed and model our church to minister to unbelievers and uninformed, they stay unbelievers and they stay uninformed. That's why I said if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in because let me just tell you when you get that building the unbeliever and the uninformed are coming in don't change who you are don't change who you are don't change what you do on Sunday night don't change what you do on Wednesday night don't change going after revival don't not change are you hearing me just because of an unbeliever and an uninformed person because otherwise they stay unbelievers and they stay uninformed Oh, we don't want to prophesy because we might scare an unbeliever. We might scare an uninformed person. No. When an unbeliever comes in, when an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. Everybody say convinced. 
convicted. Oh, Jesus, do you realize, do you realize that there's an anointing on this house to convince people that God's real? There is an anointing on this house to convict people to turn to Christ. Come on, church. And what we need right now in Alaska is a church that convinces people that God is real and convicts people to come to the altar, repent of their sins, and come back to God. Are you hearing me? Because we don't, we don't need just another church. There are churches on every corner. But God has raised this church up for such a time as this to convince and convict. Because without conviction and without convincing people, they have no fear of God. Now notice this. Verse 25. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. So, falling down. Everybody say falling down. Which means falling down is legal. That's right in the Bible. In the Greek, it means falling down. Come on. They fell down. They were convinced and convicted, and they fell down. Falling down on his face, he will worship God. Oh, Jesus. My responsibility and your responsibility is to convince and convict people to cause them to worship God. The unbeliever and the uninformed now worship God. You know, that's why the prisoners never left, Milan. Because who worships God in chains? Who worships God when you've been persecuted? Who worships God when you're under that kind of spiritual warfare and resistance? Oh, Casey, Alaska does. These people do that. They will fall down and worship God and say, or, and report, excuse me, that God is truly among you. They're going to drive by, down by that building across the street from Walmart, says God's in that house. God's in those people. You go in there, you're going to get convinced and you're going to get convicted. You're going to get a word that's going to transform your life. I appreciate social media. I appreciate te technology. But the greatest, the greatest audience, the greatest evangelistic tool is when people who are unbelievers and uninformed are convinced and convicted that God is among you. Come on. I'm telling you God's among you. God's among you. Now listen to this because Acts 16 is actually a fulfillment. It's a demonstration of what Paul taught. Turn back to Acts 16, verse 28. Look at it. Are you following along with me? Are you tracking with me? Listen to this. But Paul called in a loud voice, saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Listen to this. Verse 29 has changed my life. Then he called for a light. Everybody say, called for a light. So the text proves that he was going to kill himself because it was dark. The text proves that Paul spoke through the darkness. Don't kill yourself. Church, some of you are going to rescue people from suicide. Some of you are going to speak through the darkness to your family and prophesy through the darkness. He, this keeper calls for light. This, this prison keeper 
turns, turns the light and notice what he does here. He ran in. Everybody say ran in. Ran in. Which means, where did he go? He came to Casey, Alaska. He ran into where the presence was. He ran into where the glory was. Let me just tell you, why do we need a revival in Alaska? When we're not having revival, we have to invite people to church. When, we, when we're having revival, God causes them to run into church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're going to run in here. They're going to run in here. Why? Because there's a presence in there. There's a glory in there. There's a peace in there. There's freedom in there. There's holiness in here. I don't know God. Come on. And I was going to take my life, but this man that I've never met spoke through the darkness and saved my life. He ran in. Fell down, we're falling down twice now. And fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. In other words, he falls down trembling before the God of Paul and Silas. He's an unbeliever. He doesn't have any knowledge of anything. He's a Philippian jailer. Notice this. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The other night after I went to the bar, there was a gentleman, we gave an altar call, that came the night before to the bar. And he was a Muslim. And Meliana pointed him out to me and said, John, go over there and speak over him. I went and spoke over him and led him to Jesus. He said, I heard you at the bar. And I came because I need a word from God. Church, I can't do that. I cannot do that. God does that. But what I can do is use my weapons. I can pray and I can worship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I can prophesy through the darkness. And then he's crying as I'm leading him to the Lord. Then he gets on the phone and calls his sister in Iran. And asks me to prophesy over his sister. And his sister gets saved. Church, if they don't, uh, here's what I'll do. If, if they don't come, I'll go get them. I'll go get them. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? He says, what must we do? What must I do to get saved? There was no card. There was no outreach. Not to say that ministry cards or, or tracks are not good or outreaches are not good. We should do those things. <laughs> but here's the thing. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you will be saved, you and your household. But here's the interesting thing. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. 
and he took them by the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, verse 34, listen to this. Now, when he had brought them into his house. Now, I never saw this, Jordan. Maybe you can write it in your book. First of all, this man was going to take his life because the prisoners had fled. Based on an assumption. And now, he goes into the cell of Paul and Silas, worships God, receives Christ, and now brings Paul and Silas out of jail himself. <laughs> Walks him out of the prison himself. Which means I've left my job, I left my livelihood, I don't care, I'm alive right now, I'm going to heaven, come on. Which means I'm gonna help them leave this prison, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me just tell you right now, there's gonna be leaders that get saved in this ministry. There's going to be leaders that get saved. There's going to be senators that get saved. There's going to be house representatives get saved. There's going to be governors that get saved in this house. Why? Because we we got a whole company of people up here that speak through the darkness. Come on. They brought him out. They brought him out. In other words, I don't care if I'm going to jeopardize my job. I don't care. I was going to kill myself anyway. So now it's over. I'm going after God. I'm going after God with everything. I'm bringing you out. Now when they had brought him into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. I said all that to tell you Tonight, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you in power to speak through the darkness. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's Word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska Podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.